Nowadays, introducing the original Blood Clad Podcast, not BS. Told in semantic. Special dedication, all the way from New York. Boom! Yeah, man, SWOT semantic. Yeah, man, oh. Boom! Sued in semantic. Yeah, man, Big up to the man, yeah. Sued in semantic. of Suiting Semantics. Today we have a very wonderful, fantabulous, marvelous, ethnically ambiguous guest. My friend Punjab Moses Ahmed Mohammed Ephraim uh, Sanjeev. Thank you so much for having me on board that, your little podcast. I'm uh, so grateful to be here. <laughs> No, sorry, but really grateful to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Rafi. And then you're welcome and thank you. And you're welcome and thank you too. I take your welcome and I bring it to my heart. How do you say that in all 15 languages of your people? Rah! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Ephraim is a very, very good friend of mine who I have known for, who I have had the pleasure of knowing for a very long time. We go, we go quite well back, my friend. Many, many years. Where it all began. Yeah, dude. What I, am I said. We, I mean, we had a funny experience in ninth grade. If uh, you guys have been tuning into my channel <coughs> prior to this one, you may have heard in one of my episodes where I discussed the burning of a mattress, <laughs> and uh, that was that was ninth grade. We decided to light a mattress. I don't know why we did it, but anyway, we made this. We were gremlins. Yeah, yeah. We lit the mattress and we decided to throw it in the dumpster. Half of it was hanging out. It was the stupidest thing, really. It was so very, stupid. very poorly planned. It was terribly executed. Some one of the kids ratted us out, and we were in class. Do you remember this? We were in class, and we get called out of the class. We drive to that office because they're doing oh, construction. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. School, I do remember this? And we, in the, by the way, you and I started laughing in the back seat of the car, <laughs> and they were like, You're "Really laughing, huh?" And in my head, I was like, it's hilarious. <laughs> like, we're, like, we know what we're in trouble for. A little hole in the mattress, you know what I mean? And we get into the office, and there's the mattress is just lying on the floor, and there's a tiny little burn mark. And in my head, I'm like, what, what, what do we do? Like, what is they this? brought the mattress into the office? Ah, you were not the one in the car, because I did not write you out. I'm totally I was going to say, I'm no rat. You're no rat, yeah, right. buddy. So, anyway, it was me and another guy, and uh, we were laughing, but... He was the third culprit, and they asked me if anyone else was involved, and obviously I said no. Because I ain't no snitch. Hey, hey, you ain't no snitch, are you? Hey, 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 let me yeah, tell you yeah. something. You're down by your tickle, take a thumb. It's not bad. Yeah, that's not so bad, is it? It's not so bad, isn't it? What I'm talking about, it's not so bad. So anyway, so I, uh... Is this what you usually do on podcasts? What? Am I a special guest? Oh, as far as, like, uh, voices and, and impressions? Yeah. Most people I, aren't good at that. Most people are very normal. Normal. But anywho, yeah, so that was that, and then I got suspended for two weeks, no big deal. The funny, the best part about the story, and I mentioned this on the other podcast, is they brought the mattress in to like this big uh, synagogue, because it's like every one of these Jewish schools has a big like, you know, a synagogue. So this is like, this, this is a big school, and they had this big synagogue. And while it, after I was already sent home, they brought the mattress in for like hundreds of students to see. 
and everyone was like, was it was I was like a legend. Wow, it's like show and tell. But, but I was like, it's funny how like innocent these these kids are in these schools because that was seen as like this legendary thing. Like, oh yeah, they got suspended because they lit a mattress on fire. That's what like that's. I mean, I'm surprised. Can you imagine like, like that's what's considered crazy, and it wasn't even like the whole mattress was charred. It was like a little hole in it. Just a just a small little little tinge. Little a little tinge. So that was that. That was the story, and you know we we've been friends for quite a while. We've now. been friends because you really came through and didn't get me uh, exposed. Although it may have been for the better. I you probably would have been. I probably would have done you a favor if I snitched on you. You probably. What the fuck? Like sorry, bro. <laughs> I left the next year, went to a much better school, so. Right. Anyways, I, well, not necessarily better, just better for me. Anyhow, I, going forward several years, the frame is, now speaks English, which is nice. Yeah, I learned English a while back. It was yeah. really, uh, really good language to learn. It gets you far in life. I've heard, so I've heard. Yeah. That's why I've heard. So you're working at Dell now? <laughs> What's that? Dell, Dell Computer. You're working at Dell, you do the customer service? Yeah, 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 I work at Dell now. Right. But I, uh, I'll purposefully speak with an Indian accent. You know what's funny? Like half of the people listening to this are, have, won't even get it at all. Like that joke will completely just... Well, like, I kind of missed it for a second. Oh, okay, <laughs> so there you go. You work at Dev Technical Support. Yeah, how can I help you today? <laughs> so anyways. I mean, I, I feel like this is a little wrong because I'm not even, you know, of that culture. People are way too sensitive about these things now, man. Like, I, I want to bring it back to the, the, the olden days a little. You know, we're like, I don't get, like, shunned for this. Like, big deal. Anyways, Ephraim has a very interesting dis uh, topic for us today. And the topic is... The topic is finding meaning in AA. And my personal quest through that experience, which I'd well, love to share. And I'm very excited to. Yeah. Don't assume everybody knows. It. Like, I'm sure 90% of the world does, but some people don't. Okay, for those who do not know, AA stands for Alcoholics Anonymous, mm -hmm. and it's a uh, organization that helps people go through recovery and to maintain through uh, living a life of spirituality and understanding yourself inside and out, mm -hmm. and to uh, really find, find a way to find serenity in life if you're feeling that there are some levels that you are lacking in and you want to work on yourself. So, but it, it is designed for people who are suffering from addiction. It definitely serves that purpose. If you have someone in the family or someone related or a friend that does, it can help you. I think it can help anyone in life, honestly. So yeah, my name is Effie, and I'm an addict. And a little bit of background, um, I do study now data science, that's where I work. Um, I grew up, you as you know, I'll just explain to everyone. I'm debatable, but uh, I am still working on the growing part. But oh, I have John Pat. Because he is a <laughs> short individual. Okay. But growing. Yeah, he's taller. Yeah. I grew up in a little place called Far Rockaway, and I went to yeshiva there, an Orthodox community. Yeshiva, yeshiva, and uh, yeah, that didn't really work for me. As uh, might not work for a lot of people. It's very a little narrow-minded, a little conformed, mm -hmm. and I don't, I'm not so easily conformed. So that didn't really work out for me. Um, I studied at Brooklyn College and then I moved to California. 
uh, where I did research there for a year and a half, around two years. And then, um, and during this whole time, I was doing a lot of drinking. I should have said I also went to Israel for a year, and that part, a lot of people drink a lot. I was drinking, smoking, using, um, just doing, you know, some stuff. A lot of times I would have uh, some blackouts. I think the blackouts started getting worse. Do you mind sharing, when you said using, do you mind sharing what you used? Yeah, I, uh, I used, which ones in particular? I used uh, um, hallucinogens and uh, psychedelics, the mushrooms, uh, some DMT. Okay, well, do you find that to have been a bad thing? Because it's probably no. a very good thing. Yeah, I had, I had really amazing experiences on psychedelics, actually. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, I found that, you know, excessive use of anything is never good. I didn't really excessively use psychedelics, but they were part of the repertoire of my experiences. Can you say repertoire with an Indian accent? Repertoire. <laughs> uh, repertoire. They were part of the, of the whole shebang. Um, but what mostly happened, I think, was I lost, uh, I started to... <laughs> you know when it comes back? Just, my head is in repertoire, okay? All right. Repertoire. Um, so yeah, I kind of realized, I realized that I was studying research, so doing chemistry. I realized that wasn't for me. And I kind of felt a little empty. And I also wasn't really looking to do so many drugs at the same time. I was kind of done with that, done with drugs, but I was like, where? Where do I fit in? Where do I belong? Mm-hmm. What? Like, why? And that brings me to, like, that brought me to my first meeting, where I first stepped in the door. And the first thing people say at the meetings, which is, they say a lot of things, but the first thing that you do before you start a meeting is you say a little prayer, and the prayer goes something like this. No. Uh, the prayer goes. <laughs> <laughs> to accept. Okay. Yeah. I thought we were gonna have like a little back and forth, but we didn't. So okay. To uh, to accept the things that you cannot change, the wisdom to change the things you can, and the oh, I think it's. Courage change, oh man, you got this. Screw it up. You got this. You got Let's this. try this again. The courage, oh, the courage to change. The, the courage to admit that what you cannot change, right? <clears throat> to accept, hmm. to accept, I found the word. To accept the things that you cannot change, the courage to change the things you can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And that, like for me, was immediately. It really felt powerful. I still meditate on that on a lot of mornings. If you try to wrap your head around what that means, what does it mean to you? Meditate. You may have to meditate on it. I mean, the whole saying itself is a beautiful, beautiful saying. Um, the idea of not worrying or fretting about what you can't change is such an important. Such an important thought process to have, yeah. because you automatically ignore so much noise that most people are constantly worrying about or listening to. Yeah, there was. Uh, do you know Jordan Peterson? Of course. So uh, one of the things that Jordan Peterson spoke about, he wrote 
in the 12 Rules for Life was a very interesting idea about our perspective on reality. Um, I think it's something like the 10th or 12th rule, mm -hmm. but what it basically, I'm just going to paraphrase Love this. Love Jordan Peterson. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he, to paraphrase, when our minds, when our perspective of reality is very narrowly focused. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that if it, if it wasn't, we'd be in a lot of trouble. We'd be very overwhelmed. An example would be that when you look at a uh, when you look at a chair, right? Where you see what is its purpose? You see, oh, that's something I could sit in. Instead of thinking like, oh, that's wood that came from a tree that was chopped down by someone that was grew 20 years ago who planted it. Where did the water come from? Right? Which is like every backstory behind every backstory. We just simplify. We say that's a chair. You sit on it. Right? That's a car. It's used to drive somewhere. So. Sometimes in life, we, when we go about life without any problems, we breeze through it and just look at, look at these things that are happening around us and simplify them and move on. What happens when life doesn't work out as you want it to work out? Things aren't always perfect. And when that happens, all of a sudden you sit there and be like, worried, start to think about all the different things that happened to get you to that point. What do I need to do in the future? The example that he gives was, a wife who finds out that his husband is cheating on him. And she starts to think like everything that she thought about in the past of their relationship maybe wasn't like a reality. Wasn't a reality. But every day that went before that, she's like, that's my husband. It's so now. Mindfuck. Isn't that a massive mindfuck? Yeah. Then you question everything prior. Like, I, do, should I trust my friends? Do I, yeah. Maybe my friends were, were helping him. Maybe they were accomplices to this whole thing. Maybe one of my, maybe he cheated on, cheated on me with one of my friends. I mean, like that's, that's a bug out to it. Right. Everything really, seems to just go completely astray at that moment. All of what you believe to be fact is now not fact anymore, it's and it's that. completely uh, a, a question. Everything is a uh, just can't be. Uh, you don't know for it's uncertain. There's mm -hmm. uncertainty that that just grows in the air. So that, I feel like that part, that's what happens to a lot of people where, when they, they're going through life. And for me, I found that when I came back home to New York, I was almost set before this to prove I was, I lived in agnostic, I was an agnostic. I was almost set to like prove that religion didn't exist. I studied chemistry for that reason was because like, for me, I was like, if, if there's no God, then let me like understand everything, mm -hmm. you know? Or if at least there's no God that, like, anyone who says that there's a God, I will instantly say, oh, prove it, and I'll be, use all the science to disprove him. And so I didn't have religion, and I, that, like, with that goes a lot, of, a lot of my friends and my family. And then, like, everything that I studied, I was studying chemistry and doing research, and I was, like, kind of lost my interest in that also. And I come back home, and I'm like, then what am I if I'm just, like, a guy who goes out and drinks every night and goes to music festivals, and that's how I, like, that's what my life is all about. Like, there has to be something more. Mm -hmm. And when I stepped into that meeting, what I found was everything that alcohol was trying to give me. Or actually, what really is the truth is what alcohol was a covering up. It was a band-aid to what was really what I was searching for and what I was lacking and what I was trying to get from alcohol. It's what you're, and for me, what I find what they say is that it's really a, a hole in the soul. 
And when you go out, you try to fill the hole with with a joy with your friends and your. I mean, it is when you go out and you drink. It's fun. It's, it's fun. There's a release of care, right? Mm -hmm. It fixes boredom. There's a yeah, that companionship. That lowering of inhibitions is, I mean, it's phenomenal. Right. You that 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 last drink hits you. That seventh shot, whatever it is, that sixth beer, you just you start to feel that buzz. Phenomenal. Yeah, in the moment, it all those worries that you had are gone. But the worries that you had are they now gone or are they temporarily gone? Well, they're there the entire time. They're just masked. They're just masked. It's like a bandage. What were the voids that you that you had? What was alcohol covering up? Like, what do you feel like now you may have, or what are you striving to have now that you have more clarity? That's a good question. Um, I'm still seeking to. I can't really drop this, otherwise I would drop it. But I drop. Well, I think the short answer would be serenity. A total, a total peace and calm of oneself. You know, you're, you had a stressful day, right? How do you get off, so to speak? Not you, Rafi. Okay. How do most people okay. get off? <laughs> they go and grab a beer with their friends and they let off steam, right? What happens, so that's, they're almost escaping from reality because it, because they're a little worried or annoyed or anxious, stressed, mm -hmm. right? Which, and if you don't use do it often, that's a perfectly great outlet to do once in a while. But if you can, if you start doing it, for me, I was drinking. I've been drinking since I was like seventeen, so that's ten years. So ten years of doing this, it's not solving the problem that I'm really searching for. That's the truth. So, so to interject, you're looking for serenity. Can you can you elaborate on that serenity? You want inner peace. What what? kind of serenity, what's serene to you, and how do you hope to achieve that, or how Serene? Where I feel, I'll tell you, for me personally, this is my own experience, it's where I'm fully content with every moment that it's perfect. Obviously, and that it's perfect as much that it could be. I don't need to go any further for it to be better. Well, what if you're going through a crazy fucking stressful day? You had a to really be, tough week to, to be. Things, life is going to be hard no matter what. There's going to be bumps in the road. Every time, every bike is going to get a flat tire, you know? That's not what being, living like a full serene life is about. The idea is when something goes wrong, how are you going to stay to the maximum part of calm and, and in order, to, instead of getting hit like really hard by something bad that happens and getting super burned out and, and like almost giving up, mm -hmm. it gives you like, you're like, all right, some, sh some shit happened to me, you know, like this didn't work out the way I planned. Okay, but that's fine. Like, mm -hmm. I'm still happy with what I did because I did as much as that I could. I, I had the courage to change what I could and I'm going to accept what I cannot change. And it's the hardest part. Yeah. Such a massive step. It's unreal how many people know this. We, we, People tell us this all the time. Don't like, don't fret about what you can't change, right? Like, don't make a big deal about what you can't change. But we do it as, as human beings on a constant basis, and I struggle with this all the time. Yeah, of course. I, the hardest part is the car is the wisdom right. to really gain that wisdom to know the difference. 
Like, how do you know when something you put in, you put in all the effort, and when you, it's time to back out and back down? That's tough. It's not an easy one. That's why you need wisdom for it. Right. What I think, by the way, what I think about that kind of thing is, it's important to weigh, like I said before, before the episode, with that sort of thing. Don't get me wrong, I'm 26, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm a guru of this specific uh, conversation, because that's a very tough thing to answer. You know, how much do you put into something? Say the podcast, right? Great example. Yeah. Um, I've only been doing this for about four months. It's very new. I don't know where it'll take me. I don't know if it'll ever become something, you know, some massive hit. It will. But I'm, go I'm going into it with that attitude. I firmly believe it will. And the most important part is that I love doing it. And I'm consistent, and I'm going to continue to be consistent. Unless somebody, unless I drop dead, I'm going to be consistent. And those two things are absolutely vital and key, and whatever happens, happens. But this is the kind of thing where if I didn't enjoy it, if I was doing it, if I was doing it because I just wanted popularity, or just wanted monetary gain, it would fizzle out eventually, and I think it would seem unnatural. So the fact that I like it, the fact that I, I get onto a podcast every time I have a new guest and I can't wait to interview them. I see this. It's I see much, that in you. It's, thank you. There's like a passion and it's strong and thank you. you're doing an amazing job. Thank you, man. Thank you. It really means a lot. Uh, and, and for this reason, I don't know whether, like, that's the beauty of life. The beauty of life is that you don't have this time frame. God is throwing, Rafi, stick it out for two more years. It'll pop off then. Oh. Thank you. You know, like then you know. Okay, give it two years. But the part that would suck about having that option, because everyone would be like, "Oh, are you kidding me? I'd love that." How do you know how hard to go? If you are guaranteed success in two years, where's the gr the grit, the grind, the heart, the blood, the sweat, the tears? It's all out. It's gone. If you, there's no expected, if there's nothing ex no, not nothing expected, but if you don't know where it's gonna go, you have to grind and really put in the time and the effort. And you have to have that faith and you have to believe in yourself. That's where the, those are where, that's where the beauty of life comes in. That's where like the real awesome shit happens. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you don't know, you don't know, but you, it's where you trust yourself. And once you do succeed at that thing, you get the confidence to go and try something else. And you take that same success into another field of whatever it is, you know? So say the podcast, God willing, does beautifully. I can then go and decide to become an amazing fisherman, whatever the case may be. And they're going to have different strategies to success and different ways of getting to what, where you want to go. But there are many aspects that I can take from one success to another. And eventually, you know, it builds and builds and yeah. becomes more efficient. Yeah, I think what you're saying is like, if you do, your, do the work that you're supposed to do, and you apply that to anything, and you do the max that you can do, you'll find success. Especially yeah. when you love it. Yeah, and then, then it explodes. Yeah, dude. It's just... People... It's crazy, though, because people throw this on social... Successful entrepreneurs are saying this all the fucking time. Do what you love. Everyone's like, yeah, do what I love. It's simple. It's and, simple, and but they, it, no one said it was easy. Right. It's not easy. It's simple though. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Is it's, it that simple to follow a schedule? You know? Is it that easy? Or or both? It's dude, I could talk about this all day. I love this conversation. It's it's 
there's so many different, I don't want to get into too many rabbit holes here because we're like, we, we're at the, the root of the tree right now and there are like 50 million branches we can go into. I know. So I kind of, <clears throat> of want to like just delve into the idea of when, I like this kind of topic of like when to quit something or when to continue. So like, where, where, how do you feel about that? Like, do you, do you feel, do you kind of can agree I, with what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think that the last part of the prayer explains how difficult it is mm-hmm. to actually find that difference. There has to, there's a wisdom that it comes with, and what's a big part of the Alcoholics Anonymous, the book book, the book that we read that describes the twelve steps, which are the steps towards recovery. Mm-hmm. What that ba- what is outlined is basically that you have to give over yourself to a higher power mm-hmm. of your understanding. That for me is probably the hardest thing that I ever could have done in my entire life. Because when someone says the three letter word, there's a fire that will burn inside of me. And I can't like, it's hard for me not to have resentments towards something like, something that had so many different elements that people will say this is what God said and that's what God said and that's what three letter word is. And, uh, yeah, so when they say higher power, G-O-D in the book, I'm, I'm like, thrown off by it. And luckily, they made a whole chapter for people like us. It's called We Agnostics. And it basically explains to you, and it asks you, like, but why are you not willing to, ex- to, to believe in a higher power? Why are you not willing to believe in something? Because if you were truly willing, and I was saying this before, what's so interesting is that Things that I was searching for, meaning and, and purpose in life, and what, why, to describe why I'm here, and people who are religious get that. Mm-hmm. And in a weird way, I'm like jealous of people who are religious, and I'm like, I want what you have, but I actually don't want the religion part of it. I want the spirituality. That's what it is. I want the spirituality where I can connect to other souls. I could help other people. And yeah. Real quick, hold the thought. That's what religion is. Religion creates that framework, meaning it creates all these rules and regulations and this this thought out plan to keep you invested in your connection with God. So it's all these little things that you do, and you know this because you grew up religious. All of these, you know, how to tie your shoe, what you to put on first, what you can do, what you can't do, what you should do, what you might, what maybe you should do. To, Every aspect, when you're a very devout practicing Jew, for instance, when I go into other religions because I haven't practiced them, they're all, you know, it's this intricate series of actions and things. Huh? Sheets. Yeah. Their religion is very cool. Sheet. 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 Sheets? I mean, Sikh. Sikhs? I'm I'm losing you right now. Oh, it is Sikh. Yeah. Yeah. Sikh. Yeah, yeah, Sikh. Sikhs. I don't know enough about them. I'll let you know. Give me one second. Uh, but ultimately, uh, that's really what it is. It's to keep you connected by giving you all of these guidelines and right. things like that. And to not to a, a person that didn't grow up religious or practicing, they see those as restrictions. And in a sense, I do too, because I, I have a very hard time kind of following. As I got older, I'm kind of like, on Sabbath, you can't rip, you know, toilet paper. You have to prepare them all on the toilet beforehand. In my head, I just can't. It doesn't work for me. It's just, it's too much. You know, it, it's, it's t- for me, it's taking it too far. And the idea is to keep you 
really grounded and strong in your, you know, in your religion and all that. It's just for me, it's all semantics at that point. It becomes fluff. It's like, you know what? Is God really up there worrying whether I ripped the toilet paper or not? And I know it's deeper than that. It's like it's not the point. It's really just about you know being extra careful not to come to turn on the light and not to come to drive a car. But that's a whole separate topic. Got into another another talk at some point. The religion discussion. The religion discussion is a whole separate conversation. No, this is a it's a big one because <clears throat> it's a big one for me because what you were saying, what the meaning and the messages behind the actions are and what they're supposed to give over is what I want. But the the actions that are told for us to do or for me to do, I have already like almost built resentments around them too hard that when someone's like, rip the toilet paper, I'm like, rip the toilet paper, what a, what a guy, like, come on, man, you know, like, but you really think that's going to work? And that, which means that's never going to work for me because I can't even hear it because I've already, I brought up with it, I'd like, I moved on. So I need to find, and in the book they describe, the Alcohol Sounds book, you find a God of your own understanding. It's not something that you follow someone else. You can find what you're looking for without having to and you could go and follow religions, but you can find that by, by believing in a higher power that you, that you understand him and you accept all and you, and you give your will over to him. Mm-hmm. And you say that like, okay, fine, you're the one that's leaving this, this, you know, this path, this, my life, this ride. I'm going to do everything that I can every single day to make it the best day possible. But I'm still, I'm giving myself over to you that I know like, that I, I can't do, I can't, there are things that are gonna happen that you're, you're the one that's controlling it. I'm giving my control over to you. Mm-hmm. A great example of this is, it's like a story of an actor who's trying to control the entire stage, the entire orchestra. And he's an actor, he's trying to control, he's doing the directing, he's trying to control the playwrights, he's trying to control the people doing the cameras, he's trying to cameraman, everything. Right, and uh, starts to go like, it's not starting to go the way he plans for it to go. So he just tries to be really nice, tries to be kinder to everyone, tries to be like, hey buddy, how you doing? Can you move this a little bit, move that a little bit? And then it still doesn't go as planned. So then what does he do? He becomes, decides to go in the opposite direction, gets a little aggressive, he starts screaming at people. It's like, I'm going to take a different approach. It's not working the way I want it to work. And I'm controlling this whole situation. And, and then it still doesn't work. And then he sit there baffling, being like, can you, he's baffled, like, how did I get here? Why, did I, why is this all not working out? And the answer is, you shouldn't be controlling everything. Mm-hmm. You know? Because if you control everything, you're also going to be the one responsible for everything. And if things don't work out, then you're the one that's going to sit there being like, what did I do? But there's almost this release that you have when you're like, give over yourself, I give over my control over to someone that is taking care of me, I know he loves me and accepts me, and, and I love him back. And I can't, like, I can't try and control everything because then you're the actor trying to control the whole thing. It's a beautiful concept because whether there's actually a god up there or there's 200,000 gods, or there's no, I believe in one, one God and one entity. And I even have a trouble understanding that because no one really knows what that is. No one. People who are calling me, like, people who are religious who are calling me, like, you might be thinking, like, you don't believe in a God. And I'm like, 
None of us know what it actually is. Is he a man, a, you know, a heavy set looking man with a long white beard in the clouds? Like we all kind of think he, we all have this image of some yeah. large man, some 70 year old white man with a long beard, chilling in like a robe in the clouds with angels around him and, a, and right. white pearly gates. That's literally what movies and shows and Family Guy has, has shown us, <laughs> you know? And, and Family Guy does it for that reason. It's exactly what people think. God. And, and, and the more, the older I get, the more I realize it, it just seems like it, God is just everything. It's just, it, it's so deep I can't even try to understand it. For me, I gave up trying to understand what God could even be, and I just feel like there is some spirit, whether it's male, female, whatever it is, that as long as I love myself enough and I go after what I want and I believe that that higher power is willing to do what's called hishtaglut, Hebrew, which means putting in the effort, doing your part. Mm-hmm. As long as I'm doing my part as, as as Rafi, that higher power will will give back to me. Will 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 say, you know, I respect what you've done. Here, I'm going to give you what you want because I see how badly you want it. And you can argue, you can say as an atheist that it's Mother Nature awarding whatever the world, the God essence, spirit, the divine, whatever you want to say is giving you what you want because that's how the world is created. I don't believe there's a, a Big Bang. I do believe the world is created by whoever. And with that being said, you see it. You see it play out with people. The people who just are relentless in getting what they want, they eventually do, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, whether it's admirable or or, or not, not admirable. When they're just like absolutely relentless, eventually they, they get some form of it. Funny, I say this a lot though, in the meetings. I'll be like, you know, I got exactly what I wanted. Like, I didn't want to get married to a nice Jewish girl. Uh, I still want to get married to a nice Jewish girl. But I don't want to get married at a nice Jewish girl at the age of like 19, and she wears a shape when we have pop out like six babies. Right. You know, and then like to these shapes straight away. You know. Yeah. That was like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to like find myself. I want to search. I want to travel the world. I want to like drink and have a good time and enjoy my 20s and and that's exactly what I got and this is part of this journey for me is what's so fascinating to me is that like that all like like a lot of people have like some spiritual awakenings on psychedelic trips and stuff Mm -hmm. like that like I found mine through sobriety which is just so fascinating yeah and I've had a lot of trips in the past but it's getting sober and connecting with people at the meetings and these are my new best friends and every day you go in you might like change someone's life let them rediscover life and it's like you walk out you feel amazing I was I was uh, in the beginning I got sober I had this weird thing where I'd like buy something on Amazon every single day for like a month because I was just like trying to fill that hole of alcohol with with things Mm -hmm. you know I'd be like I'd go to the mall and spend like a thousand dollars just because like ah let's go but like oh you know you only live once or like a thousand dollars and just clothes I don't know I'd like buy a, a drone and I'd buy a surfboards and all those things that come along like I just draw I would edit doing like a bunch of time but like I would go in the beginning and be like I'd go and go and just buy things yeah. and then this one time like while this was happening I had like Amazon products coming in in the mail every single day some stupid little tchotchke yeah. you know and in the beginning like the first month and then I was pulling my car and I was getting the car checked out. 
and this guy, and he was pushing his car into the lot. And I'm like, hey man, can I like help you move your car up? And he's like, and he's like, yeah, sure. And he's like, helps me move it up. And then like five guys come. And he's like, oh, well, don't worry, we got this. I'm like, sure. And he's like, yeah, 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 thank you so much. And he like, and he goes off. And the feeling that I got from helping this one guy with his car was better than any Amazon thing that I ever bought in the entire month. And I, I'm sitting in the meetings, I'm, I'm like, why do I, why do I, I don't need this bullcrap. Let me just try to, you know, let me try to like help other people, help myself. That is more rewarding to me than any Amazon thing I can buy. And that was a huge one for me because I'm like, wait a second, I'm just shifting my hold that I'm trying to fix my spirituality, my soul, my desire to connect and to help and to, and to, and desire to help and connect with things now. It wasn't beer and going out and drinking and forgetting about the day. And now it was like, what am I going to get in the mail tomorrow? And I was like, and I'm like, I call myself, I'm like, wait a second, after you just like, you're just moving the addiction over, you're moving, you're switching, you're switching band-aids, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you're still gotta, gotta fill that oh, spiritual hole, that soul that you have. Like, and it, it was just a really cool thing, like, oh, oh what are you doing? What are you doing? You buying, buying some more things? It's <laughs> amazing, dude. It's amazing. I like nice things far less than I think most people. Eventually, I, you know, I, I appreciate having nice things. I like a nice car and, you know, cool. But just because I do happen to like cars, I'm not a crazy freak, you know, car freak or whatever. But, you know, I want a nice house, a nice car, and, you know, nice. I like dressing nicely. But day to day, man, I don't spend money on a check. I don't care for designer clothing. I just care that it fits me well and looks nice. You know, and... and <clears throat> It's all about, yeah. I think it's all about productivity, though. I think it's all about going after what you want. Helping people is also so vital, but, no, but, and. Right. Doing <laughs> things that propel right. you forward. Mm-hmm. Being, those, those things being things that you, those things, they mean things. Those things being things that you have wanted to do but haven't kicked your ass to do, that's the stuff that's going to annoy you or frustrate you later in life. Mm-hmm. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't want to speak for you, because you've gone through so many years of drinking and so many years of, of fog, now, and, I, and I'm sh- you remember most of it, some of you don't, but now... <laughs> no, the biggest now, problem for me was that I'd be blacking out. That's why I like, I'm like, I don't need this anymore. It's just uh, totally destroying every single night that I have or nights that I go out drinking would be nights that I generally do not remember. But yeah, continue. The idea that you got, that you went through all that, now that you've decided to stop drinking, all of those experiences, the good and the bad, have me have put you where you are now and you now appreciate the sobriety because of all of that. 100%. If you were never a drinker, and you just had everything, you know, you went to school, got a job, never had a, never had a drink, but you had a drink every six months. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But because you've tasted that extreme other side, you have such a strong appreciation for the calmness of read now. Because you don't have to now venture out. It's kind of like growing up in, time, in New York and going to Times Square 389 times in your life. And then, you know, for me, that was the case. And then I moved to Florida, and I meet Floridians, they're like, you're from New York? I would love to live in New York. I'm like, 
the grass is greener on the other side. Well, I happen to think the grass is greener where you water it, but I love that saying. It's a good one. But for them, they haven't experienced Times Square. Maybe they've gone twice. So to them, they see it in the movies, they see the lights and everything, ah, and everyone's walking and everyone's taking pictures and there's tourists everywhere. It's a phenomenal place, don't get me wrong. It's an incredible place. Now it's kind of kind of decrepit. It's not what it was. Oh, we're gonna back. Go on. Yes. <laughs> so now it's not uh, now it's not what it was. Hopefully it'll go back to the way it was to some degree. I've experienced it all. I've been there a million times. You know, right. because no, I've been there a million times. From my personal experience, I. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. I definitely felt that I was. It just got so stale that mm -hmm. I started to realize that this is like so pointless and so empty. And like the friends that you meet when you go out to clubs, like you're never gonna speak to them again. But the people that we meet and I meet at the meetings are like friends that you you congratulate each other every single day. You commence when when you reach a milestone. And, you know, I'm going on a trip with a, a bunch of them in the next coming week. We're going on a, to Vermont. We're going to have very casual meetings. And meetings, just for people to know, is really just a, uh, a medium to share uh, how you're feeling. Usually there are different forms of meetings. Usually one, a big book meeting will be you read from the book, and then it's almost like a little Rashi kind of thing, or you do as you, you come, you do like, yeah, 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 so... You'll basically, you'll read a line or two, you read, read a couple of lines, someone reads a paragraph, and then we allow for discussion on that paragraph. What did he mean when he said it? How can you relate that into your own life? How can you take that really deep philosophical point and, or, you know, very, uh, like, uh, some fact or some, some story and then relate it to your own personal experience and how can you grow from that? Mm -hmm. And we all just share on the topic and then we continue doing that, followed afterwards by... Um, a share on just like regular, you know, things about your day. And then also at the end, you do gratitude and day count. So you'll say things that you're grateful for every single day. And this is something I love to do because it, I do it in the morning. So I try to do it every morning and I try to do it at night. So it just, it makes you, it just refreshes your whole inner body of anything. Like it's much harder for you to get annoyed at things after you just said how life is so amazing. And how grateful for you are for whatever you're grateful for your family's health and you're like yeah well I am grateful that no one in my family recently passed away that's an amazing thing and then like okay now so your window washer doesn't work so you're gonna get all those steamed up you know like well, no like I got so many things to be grateful for in life so it's such a great habit it's a form of meditation I'm um, all about this I love what you're saying man love it I make it and I make it my business that whenever somebody asks me how I'm doing, I say amazing. And the truth is, I really believe that. Like even when I had a kind of a shitty day, things didn't go so well at work, it wasn't exactly what I planned, certain things were a little sour, I look at it quickly, my brain just thinks about the whole day. You know, I go from morning to night, mm -hmm. it was, overall it was pretty good. Yeah. I had a great workout, I ate good food, I had good conversations with people, I worked, I'm alive, I'm healthy, I live in a nice place. You're doing I'm, it. I'm thinking of like all of the good, like it happens, it's all like, it's like kind of like how life flashes before your eyes, everything just goes and I'm like, good, 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 good. Eh, not so, not so great, not so great, and eh, whatever, nothing terrible. And occasionally, God willing, you and I will live until 120 as long as we live. There are going to be very shitty days. Some days are going to suck. 
It's inevitable. We're going to live for a long time, hopefully. We're going to go through pretty bad days. It, it's a matter of how you go about them. They might be... Remembering bit, what you should be... Uh, remember what you're grateful for, even yeah, during the bad times. Yeah, because even in the bad times, if you can see all the good, it's people, people really overlook this, this, this idea. They hear it. Like, these are things that this is another conversation that it's what completely people. blew me away when I went to find my first meeting. I'm just like, this is what the meeting is. Mm-hmm. Like, that's incredible. That's amazing. People are being helped. I'm watching people. I'm looking at people that were previously talking about like their past. That they they were they were talking about how they used to be something, and now I see what they are now, and I'm just like, I'm in awe. I'm like, wow, you are like. You're going out and helping people and doing this, and you're looking in around the rooms, and you're like, you're in need. I'm just like watching these people. Like when I first got in, they're like, they're like, let me, what can we do for you? Here, take my number, call me anytime. Like if you ever need to reach me, I just met him, just walked in, and he's just doing it, you know. And I'm just like, wow, I want to be that guy that like goes to other people when they're first coming to the meeting and they're dealing with something much worse than I did. I didn't have like a serious, like strong addiction to like uh, alcohol or. Or like, like weed was my biggest problem, and like you know you can't really there's no withdrawal. People were coming in had to go to actual rehab, and to like to have that have that like just caring the care to have just go to a stranger and give him your number and say call me and he may call you at like 11 p.m. and be like I I really need to take a line of coke. What do I do? And you're like dude like you know do it you know it's your decision but you can like do whatever you want but like you know you got this. Here's motivation. Remember, stay strong, buddy. And uh, and then and you hang up the phone. And you're like, you forget about all your problems. That's the best part. It's and this is like a um, a Saint Francis prayer, which is to seek to seek to comfort rather than be comforted, to love rather than be loved. And it can I interject yeah. real fast before you hold on to it? Don't forget it. Sure. I like what you're saying, and I might be not fully grasping it because. I take one thing that I don't agree with is that I yeah. think some people, and I'm not saying that I'm the most giving person because there are plenty of times where I, have, I should be giving more and be more selfless. At the same time, I'm a firm believer of you have to look out for yourself first. And there are people that don't have that mentality there. That's the beauty of, of, of the world. You have some people that are just truly selfless people. It's the... I've said this before, I don't know if I want to be that selfless. It's a funny thing to say. I, Not that selfless, no. not talking about what you're saying. Yeah. I'm talking about there are people that take Mother Teresa, she's like the epitome of selflessness. You know, I don't know if I want, I, I kind of want to be more selfish, I want more things. You know, it's weird. Mm. Call me a bad person. I, Rafi, I know that. Rafi, the, Rafi, Rafi. I'm, but I'm saying, <laughs> it's, you know, it's I, funny, right? Because like, I. I am a firm believer yeah. in it's so important to help, but if you're if you've taken care of yourself and given yourself enough of a foundation, you're then more able to give because the, the, when you're always giving and never taking time for yourself, Excellent you can't point. expect that in return. Excellent point. You can't expect that in return, yeah. nor should you. But you, it, it, even though you had great intentions and you gave so much, and it's so important to give because giving is so is so rewarding, and not even in the in the tangible sense, but rewarding in a, a spiritual and mental sense, you still have to give to yourself too. Because you can't, like I said, you can't expect anyone else to. For so sure. It's, that's it's hard, how it's hard can to you gauge. like save the baby on the plane if you don't have the air for yourself? But it, that's hard to gauge though. 
it's hard to gauge how much, how selfish should you be, how it giving is. should you be. It's not an easy thing yeah. to gauge. For me, it's like I, I want to have a nice amount for myself. I don't know. It's, it's. I can't deny that I do want a lot monetarily, but I also want a lot of accomplishment. I, I want to have very few, if any, regrets when I'm an old man. Like, I really want to be able to proudly look at my grandchildren and my children and say, there really isn't too much that I wanted to do and didn't yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, also Jordan Peterson thing. You said or maybe it was Malcolm Gladwell. Like, where he, I, he wants to sit at uh, an old age home and be like, I don't want to go anywhere. I did it all. Or some, that's bliss. <laughs> yeah. you know you're going to die soon? And yeah. Like, you know, it's been a fucking amazing ride. Right. And you can get there, like, there's too many people that are sitting in their chair and they're literally like, fuck, 70 years of Yeah, dick. just sit, <laughs> you know? And it's like, for some people it might be great. <laughs> some people it might be bliss. Yeah, no, <laughs> but, <laughs> 70 years dick. She's like, Rafi, that was a phenomenal 70 years. And I was like, well, it's not exactly, that wasn't exactly in my book, but I hear you. So, if I... <laughs> So I, um, I, yeah, there was a, like, yeah. a meditation that we did. I'll expand on a little bit. Do you think the pound took away from the fun of that? Or do you think it may have, like, absorbed the energy out of the room. Do you think? Just sucked it all away. No, okay. no. Good. I'm, I'm kidding, for the record. I was going to expand on, your, you were saying how to, uh, sometimes, you do have to think selfishly. There was like a meditation that we did, this was a very long time ago actually. I think this was before I went to the meetings, but it was a very powerful one. I'll just share. And what it was, was everyone like would close their eyes. This was like a retreat that I went on uh, like five years ago. And we all closed our eyes and uh, we find get ourselves into a safe space. We, uh, we start to think like good thoughts, whatever it is, and then like the lead would ask, like he asked a series of questions, and the question was like, I, I want you to make a list of the people you love most in the world. I want you to have the number one, number two, number three, number four, and I sit and you're in your safe space, and blah, 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 you brought you somewhere, and uh, Honestly, I hate that word, but go on. Yeah. I, don't like, I also space. don't like the word hate, but I, I dislike the word safe space. Someone was like, like oh, I hate self-hating Jews. I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> Think about that one. <laughs> that's yeah, that's cool. And well, yeah, going back, I was there meditating, and and I like couldn't come up with names to put on this list. Yeah, I, I couldn't come up with names, and I'm like trying to like my parents, and so, like uh, my brothers, and my friends, my rabbi, so, you know, like joking with the rabbi. But it was like, I was like, who do I love the most? Who could be number one? Who is this number one over number two? You know? Hello, it's yourself, you ding-dong, you love the... And the answer is like, a lot of people won't realize that you got to love yourself before you love anyone else. That was the whole point of the meditation. I came out, I'm like, this was longer than five years. It was like, it was, I think I was like 18 or 19 years old when I, I did this. One more. Yeah. Do you love yourself more than your children? It's tough. Wow. Well, are you talking about my kids right yeah, now? That are ones in Tunisia. Yeah, yeah, those Do guys. You... Fuck them. Hello, <laughs> hello, Ephraim. 
Yeah, but do you? Because it's like they're. I've had like my friends my age that have kids. They they tell me all stable. about it. They're newborn. They're like you don't understand. Like having a baby right. is the most beautiful thing. I'm like I don't understand. I hope too soon. Right. I and can't imagine. That, that I can understand where you you love your children more than yourself. Like I think that probably applies for a lot of parents. Hopefully, you know, good parents. But that's tough. Do you love yourself more than your kids? Do you love? I your don't kids? have kids. But, but I'm saying like it's I can't imagine. I just feel like a good parent would would want their kids like if they had to choose. You, I so die or my kids. I would dies. think that I would, but I can't tell you that I would because yeah. I don't have a kid to think it. I understand. It's but more of a theoretical. I think it is um, on the level of just uh, evolutionarily speaking, part of evolution to pass down like the, you know our genes over to the next generation and then to pass it on and then to pass on. That's like the whole planet. So I think on a like on an evolution kind of term, if you studied us biologically speaking at a, at a higher level, we're all just looking to make sure our genes get passed over, and everything that we do is kind of to help that happen as abundantly as possible. So I do think that I think instinct will take over, and you want to help your kid because your kid is more likely to then. He'll be younger, and he'll more likely to pass down his genes, which are in fact your genes. So yeah, I think it's it's like when people say like, dude, when he's born, like I was just speaking to a friend from here in Florida, had uh, twins, and he was sharing this experience when they uh, when he had when the kids gave, when she gave birth, and and like I see his face, it's like it's like unex like like dude, this is like an unexpandable face, it's like yo. You know, like, dude! <laughs> right? And I'm like, whoa, like, wow. I don't, I can't, I don't know. Like, I, I imagine, I, I, I could think of, of a scenario like that, but I can't actually experience it mm-hmm. because I don't have a child to experience that with. But now saying it, like, I've almost, like, lived it. I did, like, get, like, excited. I'm like, whoa, I'm getting the kid. No, wait, I'm not. <laughs> it's mine. Yeah. Oh! Right, it's simple. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, that's um, that's why I'm I, I'm really really looking forward to that having that child. You want to adopt a kid with me? <laughs> I, I I I just uh, I, I think about it. it I, I really wonder, and I think that's an exception. I feel like when you have a child and you have your kids, and, and key word on being a good parent. Because there are a lot of parents who clearly put themselves before their kids. For instance, you know, drug addicts. I'm not trying to judge, but like, you know, when you're using and you're growing up and trying to raise children, that's clearly putting that you before them. That doesn't yeah. work. Not a lot, yeah. So, you know, that's tough. It's a tough thing to gauge. How selfish are you, especially when your kids are young? Because that's when it really, really matters. Because they can't live without you. They can't do it. When they're 16, they still can't, but like they can do certain things without you. They can tie their shoes, they can shower, they can go to school. A lot of things they can already do. Um, but when they're you know newborns, infants, uh, middle school, even young teens, they, they they absolutely need you. So that's where it really matters, and that's where their you know their brains are developing. You have to be there for them. So you know that's tough. I think uh, the to to really I have something I just thought of though that's I think very Mm. Sensible. The more you do care about yourself, meaning they don't have to be polar opposites. Meaning, as a father and as a as a husband, and I can't say from experience because it's just my feeling. If you love yourself, meaning you eat healthy, 
you exercise, you, you take You're care of yourself. That's such a great point. Yeah, you groom yourself. It, you, you lead by example. You practice what you preach. You take action. You don't just talk shit, but you do what you say you're going to do. You have all of those qualities, those really big father-husband qualities, and you stick to them. And I'm, this isn't me preaching. I'm not sitting here saying, like, oh, I'm this and I'm this. And but I know, mm-hmm. regardless, those are things that I'm saying, seriously. Yeah. Those are things that if your children and your wife sees that you're doing day in and day out, and you never slip up, sometimes you wake up a little late, sometimes you didn't exercise, sometimes you had a coat, you're not perfect, nor should you be because then you'd be boring, be a robot. But for the most part, the majority of your marriage and the majority of your fatherhood, you're doing those things day in and day out. I think your kids are, your kids are going to follow your example because they see how much you love yourself and it'll it'll spill out onto them. And I feel like this is common, this is like classic yeah. common knowledge that no one can no one can argue. It's with. like uh, dog owners. Like you wanna look at what the you look at a dog and you can see what the owner is really like. Mm-hmm. Like a pit bull, you'll see like these gnarly pit bulls. Chances are these gnarly pit bulls have like gnarly owners. You see like and some pit bulls are just like dogs. Mm-hmm. They'll come over like lick your face and wouldn't like harm a, a fly mm-hmm. and it's like how did how is there such a discrepancy it's because they directly they absorb all the energy of their owners yep. and they just behave in congruence with that and they so, still have the ability to be that that you know powerful savage dog yeah you know they i just have, heard about like why they're pit and bulls this, like, this, pit this goes into another jordan peterson concept oh, wait. and real quick jordan peterson says that the most attractive man is a man who's who's Grounded but dangerous, meaning he's in control of himself. He's stable. He's mature. He's you know he's grounded, but he can he could be a dangerous person if necessary. And he says that's what is most attractive. To Taking say risks, that, but also stay grounded. To say the you know to say a woman that's what you know and and listen, Jordan Peterson is not God, but that makes pretty pretty that makes a lot of fucking sense. Because there's a daring side, there's a risky side, there's a masculine side, there's all that, you know, except, take, take Jason Statham. He's an actor. I'm sure he's like this to a large degree in his actual life, but he's a prime example. He's in this auditorium or this casino, and he's very, he's just sitting, oh, yeah, this cool. But when it comes down to it, 15 guys with, like, uh, machetes come out of nowhere, and he's fucking beating the shit out of all of them. Obviously, it's acting. But these are these kinds of figures are portrayed in Hollywood action movies because this is exactly what gets people going, right? Uh, what's his name from uh, from the Matrix? Not Matrix. John Wick. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Another prime example. All these actors that calm, collected, very not this loud in your face guy, but it's very like you know James Bond. Another prime example. The these are literally this is the epitome of what mm-hmm. Jordan Peterson is talking about. <clears throat> you got your thought. Yeah. Oh, just a random fact that I learned the other day yeah, so of, of why pit bulls are called pit bulls. Mm-hmm. Um, because in ancient Egypt, they would they would use these bulls to like they would use these dogs to pit bulls into like a corner, and then they, the dog would kill the pit bull would kill the bull. And they didn't want to ki- in ancient Egypt. They didn't want to kill the bulls by themselves, so they would have the dogs put them into, like, trap them in a corner and then kill the bull. And they were called pit bulls. How many dogs would it take to kill a bull? Just think about a pack of pit bulls. Should do the trick. 
I think. Yes. yes. <laughs> like, especially if they're angry and they're yeah. ferocious. Oh. oh, my God. Damn. Is that really why? You know, we should Google it, but it's what I... What it's I, blind. <laughs> Let's fact check now. How have I never checked this? How I, mean, I heard this, you know... I heard this at a hostel, but the guy was very intelligent sounding, so... We were talking about weird uh, ancient Egypt. Rattling pit bull terrier drove from a breed of dog that was used in events called rattling, where rats were placed in a pit. The dogs are placed in there to capture and kill more rats. The rat was really That's a the word pit bull. Name pit bull. Uh, pit bulls naturally great. The history of pit bulls can be traced back to the early name of pit bulls. Yeah, do, do, name the do pit bull ancient Egypt. One second. Ancient. Ancient Egypt. So these, they even exist in ancient Egypt, bro? You know, I said the very same thing, and the answer was, all animals came out of Africa. And I'm like, hmm. Yeah, but I don't know, maybe this is... Yeah, all animals came out of Africa, maybe, but there's a lot of I mean, breeds that were purposely, you know, genetically modified. Well, I thought, I was like, dogs came from wolves, yeah. and wolves should stay Who in the north. A seemingly intelligent person. Well, it's saying... In England, in 1060, an introduced called bait, baiting. Interestingly enough, baiting originated with butchers who kept dogs called bullenbizers to handle unruly ruly bulls. Ooh, that was close. When a bull stepped out of line or exhibited uncontrolled behavior, the dogs would clamp down on its nose and simply hang on until the handler could regain control of the wayward animal. Uh, it doesn't mention pit bulls, my dog. I don't see it. Where are you at? The wiki? No, I'm on Pitbull 411. Yeah, I've got to be real here. I don't see anything mentioned to this. It could be it's true. true. To be honest, it. we don't know to the extent. As long as you're honest. I'm honestly telling you that's, that I heard it from someone else who is seemingly honest. I'm sure they meant well, but they may have been misinformed. It could be they were completely misinformed, yeah. The By the way. point is that Pitbulls are some serious added dogs, and you can see the owner... You could see how the owners. You could see the owner's character based on the character. It's fascinating, and I think it's extremely true, and it works that way with children as well. I, we do have to wrap up, Mister Ephraim. Yes, we do. Mister Ephraim, Aaron Yitzchak, Mohammed Punjab. Wait, so that's it? No more? No more Rafi time? No I'm more sorry, time sorry. with the Rafi? I'm sorry, darling. I'm sorry, cupcake, muffin, muffin bun. Thank you so much for having me, Rafi. Bro, uh, it was my absolute pleasure. It was a really and, nice uh, conversation to have. It was my absolute pleasure, and I'm so happy that you joined me. Yeah, you should have like a... <laughs>